0: Welcome to A Word from the Valley, a weekly podcast produced for you from Zion Lutheran Church in Middletown, Maryland. For more information about our faith community and our weekly worship services, visit us at zionmiddletown.org or find us on Facebook. We hope you have a great week and God bless. pray with me. Oh God, we know that this is your word. So open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts so that we may see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I guess I don't have to remind you that parables were a very big part of Jesus' teaching. In fact, He taught mostly in parables. But I have to say that this is one parable that I wish I didn't have to preach on today. I was sharing with a Sunday school class that one commentator says it's easier to make comments about this parable than it is to preach it. And I'm beginning to find that's been true since last night and this morning's first service. But parables, again... Like the one we had last week with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the one that we're not going to cover is the lost son, parables were intended to help people who see the life around them and see what the world is like to go even further and begin to imagine what God's world would be like, or as we say in scriptures, God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven would be like. In other words, Jesus uses these uh, these stories that were not true but were meant to be a, a way of helping people see what's possible about life and what's possible in their own lives. Because I believe that Jesus' intention in teaching was to raise people to a spiritual level of life rather than just a physical one. And the stumbling block for all of this is How do we begin to look at life beyond just simply what we see every day around us? How do we begin to imagine the spiritual side of life, you see? Because every day, that's all we have is this physical manifestation of life that we have to deal with every day. Jesus was interested in what was going on inside a person, not just what was going on outside. So he would use these parables of things that were evident to people to point them in a direction beyond this world, beyond this daily life that we live. And in this particular one, this parable of the dishonored, dishonest steward, we have a situation where, like the prodigal son, the steward has wasted not only his life, but he's wasted his master's wealth in dishonest dealings. Which means, in essence, he's pocketed things. He's pocketed the, the wealth that he is collecting for the master. Now, how we get to the point of seeing that this is a teaching about the kingdom of God is a real problem, because when you read this parable, if you read it and listen to what I was reading, it doesn't really have a good ending. It doesn't even have an ending. It has Jesus reminding people that basically... You cannot serve wealth and you cannot serve God at the same time. Well, a lot of the stories in the Bible are about money, aren't they? But this one, it's hard-pressed to find what's very good about the dishonest steward, isn't it? That's why I prefer the prodigal son, because the prodigal son is a logical progression from the lost sheep and the lost coin. The son wastes away the inheritance that he gets from his dad and finally realizes that he doesn't have a life, he squandered all of it, and so he kind of walks back to his dad and said, I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore, but if you just let me be one of your hired workers, that's all I need. In other words, he was desperate. Well, the steward was desperate too, right? He had squandered, he was caught. He goes back to the master and he says, you can't be my manager anymore. uh, And that was it. The accounting he could not give. So what he does to save his own life, he goes to all his master's debtors and kind of reduces their debt. He's just as dishonest in trying to cover his life as he was when he was squandering the master's wealth. It's a parable in search of a good ending. <laughs> it's a parable that we're hard-pressed to say, what is Jesus really getting at? And my my spin on it is really that the difference between the prodigal son and the dishonored steward might be the level of their desperation. The dishonest steward, when he tries to cover himself, becomes even more dishonest, doesn't he? Whereas the prodigal son asks for nothing except to be his father's slave. And the reaction of the father, which we don't have in the reaction of the master, we don't even have a reaction of the master and the steward, the reaction of the father is to be ridiculously welcoming and lavishly partying for this wayward son. What do we make of it? Where do we find ourselves in the story? What do we think Jesus is getting at? I'd like to come back to what I think Jesus is getting at, is that God rejoices when someone is welcomed home. God rejoices when someone who has been disparaging, who has squandered, who has been uh, very dishonest, is welcomed back into the fold. In both of these stories, it was relationships and the absence of a supportive community that makes the lost ones realize how alone they were. I mean, the the dishonest steward had to realize that he didn't have a life. And the prodigal son realized that he didn't have a life. The level of desperation in both was to find a way back The steward does it dishonestly, but the prodigal son does it honestly. I have no life. I was better off when I was with my father. My father gave me a place to be a son. And I don't have that. So I see in the desperation of the son more than I do in the steward, the kind of relationship that Jesus is really talking about. A relationship in which the lost one finds his or her way back into the community. I'm realizing more and more in my life how much community is important to me. My wife and I just moved to Hagerstown, as I said earlier, to a one-level home among a few family members who live there. And in that, we are discovering a new community of people who are welcoming. I have become knowledgeable knowledgeable name-wise and relationship-wise, of so many of my neighbors already in three weeks, more than I did in my townhouse in Frederick in 28 years. It's amazing to me the level of neighborliness, caring, welcoming that I found there. To me, it's a gift from God that I didn't even realize was possible. And in the move we made, there were so many angels that appeared. People who just showed up to help carry things into the house, to unpack boxes, to help us find places for them. They were angels, and they were sent by God. Community is what we all need. I can live with a lot, but I can't live in isolation. I need friends and people, family, people whom I can call to be part of my circle. So, parables began because Jesus was criticized because he associated with so many lost people, fringe people. And he welcomed them into what Pharisees called their unholy meals that he provided. The God of Jesus is a restoring, renewing, forgiving, second chance, and yes, sometimes third chance kind of God. God knows we're all looking for the very way that we can get home, whatever that may be. Whether we're in ourselves or whether we are family or communities, there is a promise way back in the 23rd Psalm that suggests this. It's the sixth verse. The psalmist writing it about the shepherd says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I call that the gospel in the Old Testament. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life is an invitation to get to know the owner of the house. Life is an invitation to get to know the creator, who is the father, and his welcoming us into the house. The house that only divine love can build. In these parables, Jesus is directing us much further than the world that we know, whether it be money, wealth, material goods, or whatever they are, to a place where we are firmly understanding that we are within God's house and known by God through God's love and forgiveness. May we always be reminded of that. And the people of the Lord said, Amen.